You're listening to a Flawless Noises Media Network production. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Gay Side Stories, where the gay shit goes. I'm your host, Trillificent. Thank you so much for joining me for another week. If you want additional content from me and my squad, or you just want to support the show and Flawless Noises Media Network, subscribe to the flawless noises patreon it's patreon.com slash flawless noises or you can buy some merch gay side story shirts are available so go to flawlessnoises.com slash store and pick something up and now let's start the show so i am here with a very special guest i have lamont baldwin from the hella single podcast thank you so much for coming through and joining me no, thank you for having me. I love when podcast hosts think other podcast hosts be coming on, but you know I know this. Yeah, you know I'm I'm big on collaboration. <laughs> I just like to see us get together and have fun, have dope conversations. I don't think there's any reason why any podcast on any level can't collaborate with other podcasts and turn out something dope. That's what it's all about, man. I say this all the time. Like having your own show gives you access to go on other shows that you already listen to and already love. So. Yeah, that was an unexpected yeah. benefit from this show, I think. But here you are. I'm happy about it. And since you mentioned the show, please tell my listeners a little bit about your show and your inspiration for starting it. I really wanted to create a podcast that I wanted to listen to. Mm-hmm. I've been a huge fan of the podcast community and the genre since like 2009. I had a podcast in 09, by the way. And, I, you know, I love Angelique's lip service. I love the friend zone. I love the read. Mm-hmm. But I really am interested particularly in how we as a community navigate dating. I don't know about you, but there was nobody in my life who kind of knew more than I did when it came to love, dating, and relationships. So I kind of was forced to figure it out and make mistakes and, and learn from them, especially when it came to, you know, my uh, <laughs> my rocky love life. And... My background's in radio. I did radio for four years, and I was on TV show for two seasons. So, like, the media landscape is kind of, like, not foreign to me, and I really wanted to produce something that was authentic to my experiences. And I knew if I was going through it and I could relate to it, there was a huge population of other queer black men who could go through it, uh, who were going through it as well. So I just created it. I think all of my content is really birthed from there being a void in the market and me just filling the void with something that I would naturally support. You know what? I really like that answer because I think it's important when you take on a venture like this or really any creative venture that you're doing it because it's something that you have a passion for and you have a vision. Even if you don't know how to execute it per se, at least you have that starting point. And it, I think personally that it comes through on your podcast when you have that. Absolutely. I think that there's a million entertainment pop culture shows, but the reason why we love to read is because we know that Kid Fury and Crystal are absolutely immersed in pop culture. They love it. And I think that's what people respond to. Right. Everyone, you know what I'm saying? I think everyone with the show, there's not a new topic under the sun, but I think how you approach it absolutely. Uh, sets you apart. And I also feel like the genuine interest translates more than anything. It can be funny, but if we if we can't get the idea or the impression that you truly care about your content, I don't think you win. Absolutely. And it makes me appreciate your show even more because Thank you, man. 
not only because of this, but also because I can tell that you have a voice. You have something to say, and it's interesting, and I want to hear it, versus sometimes you listen to a podcast, and it's just kind of like, uh, I mean, I get it. You're doing a podcast. Shout out to you. Everybody can and should do it, but it's unique. What are you really offering the community? Correct, and it's unique when you have your voice and people can hear it that you have a voice you have something to say and people start to flock to you about whatever you're talking about because they want to hear your point of view versus just talking versus just i have dope conversations with my friends all of that is cool but when we start getting into the nitty-gritty of things at least for me because i listen to so many podcasts that i'm starting to prefer different things than when i first started listening to podcasts and Same so here. it shows like yours that I kind of gravitate towards because I'm like, this is a confident voice. So when he brings on a guest, when he starts talking about X, Y, Z, I know that Lamont is going to bring it. You know, I know that when the read, when I turn on the read, whether it's an hour and a half or whether it's two and a half hours that I'm going to be immersed, I'm going to be entertained and that even if they don't particularly care what they're talking about, they care about what they're doing and they know how to give out a good product. For sure, for sure. Something that I strive towards, not necessarily them, but just in general. You know what I mean? Yeah. So with all that being said, guys, please check out Hella Single. It's very dope. And I mean, how can you pass out on this voice? Like Lamont has like the perfect voice for radio and all audio things. So you got to check it out. Just oh, I appreciate that. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Um, yeah. So the show comes on every Wednesday. So make sure you subscribe. Yes. Subscribe and support Slay TV. They're doing amazing things over there. I, I dig it. Oh, uh, they... And us, <laughs> they and us, <laughs> we work our ass off, and we truly do it for the community. Um, yes. I'm not, and there are other platforms as well, but in terms of like the, the the initiatives we're pushing this year, I definitely think that we're on the ball. Absolutely, I I agree. So now that people know a little bit more about your show, I want to give people give people a chance to learn a little bit more about you. So we're going to go into the queer query question. And the first question is this, what's a new discovery in LGBT plus media that you've recently made, if any. Um, And I'm actually going to answer this question first because I just spent a long time on another podcast talking about it, but my newest discovery, which I'm late on, it's not new. It's just new to me is chasing Atlanta, which is a reality show on YouTube that stars an all LGBT cast of color, mainly black. I think everybody on there is black. Um, So let me preface it by saying this. It's not exactly a quote unquote positive representation of the community, but I'm hyper aware of the fact that we are not a monolith. And I think it's unrealistic to feel like anything that's presented to the world needs to be this clean, polished, basically hotel type of thing so and plus i just like a little bit of trash tv i'm not gonna hold no, you and me that. both you <laughs> so, and me both. and i am highly entertained by this show it is so much mess that i just give my life so chasing atlanta is my newest discovery of i want to say lgbt media but i guess that's what it is you know that's why i see in the show it's it's definitely uh one of the shows i discovered later I think it was on season two, and I saw the reunion. 
I'm invested in the characters. Um, and I also shot a reality show in Atlanta. So, like, I'm familiar with a lot of... I, I just think that the, the art of shooting content in Atlanta is just art, like a an entity in its own. Mm-hmm. But I really do like that show. It's probably one of the better ones in terms of production value. Um, the, my only concern is the story. Sometimes the story just doesn't progress right. as much as I feel like it should. And there's not enough heart. I think that a lot of LGBT content kind of gets lost in like what, what's gonna you know create the most impact in terms of numbers and engagement. Right, because I think so a lot of the drama sells, right? The drama sells, but I don't know if that's well not what I, we need. But I think you know what I mean. A little bit more, a little bit more heart. I feel like the show is missing. Yeah, I think that in instances like this, and I guess other shows of this nature or really i guess anything that is involved in the community you really have to toe that line between are they doing it because they're trying to infiltrate spaces that we are conventionally not a part of or are they doing it because they want to bring the community up they want to represent the community sometimes it's both which is nothing wrong with that but i think that's when you start getting disingenuous when you can tell that it's only to break through this barrier to get into this other space to make money or whatever the case may be but right now it's a small thing and uh i think that they're doing what they need to do now we'll see we're three seasons in and i think probably around three seasons is when typically on a reality show things kind of start going left so i'm curious about that but they've been doing a good job of bringing in fresh faces too absolutely they've been hella consistent Absolutely, and I think the production values can, and I think the production value continues to increase each yeah. season. So shout out to everything they're doing. I know how hard it is to produce indie content, so I definitely appreciate it. Absolutely. Definitely, absolutely. Now, speaking of like indie LGBT reality content, like I've been recently a little bit obsessed with the Circle NYC. Okay, only because well, one, it's a great show, and I've been a fan of Nunu for years. But now that I know. A lot of the people on the cast, at least know of them. Uh, I know Bugs Gutter specifically. He's from the area I'm from in Virginia. And he's best friends with uh, Malik, a.k.a. Prince Paris, who's uh, from MTV's Catfish. He was on Hella Single Season 1. Mm-hmm. So it's like this three degrees of separation in terms of like the New York LGBT media community. So like everyone I know of or know is in some way has been affiliated with the show. Um, Eddie Jarrell was uh, Eddie Jarrell Jones was on the show slay this season and it's it's good like to me it's up there with like love and hip-hop new york in terms of like drama Ooh, yes i'm gonna i'm gonna just, assume you mean old school love and hip-hop new york because these past few seasons oof but i, I think they've been mean. equally dramatic but it's you know actually you know the the shooting in locations in new york that you're familiar with people that you that you know and have had some sort of interaction with being on the show and you know getting like a small glimpse into you know what they're doing also understanding that this is an indie youtube series that people are flocking to and receiving and consuming like it was on a national platform well youtube is a national platform if it was on like a major television network absolutely and we know there's no not a huge disparity between the quality and and digital and network content but i think that the fact that like people are still receiving this in the way that it is now is just great amazing so shout out to new and everybody over there who's uh been doing some great things and b hop i actually met them a couple weeks ago at this affluent event 
so yeah, I, I, I'm obsessed. I'm on episode uh, ten or eleven, I believe, and uh, and I saw that the reunion was shot a couple of days ago, and Trent Cruz, who uh, was on Hella Single, is the host of the reunion. So yeah, I'm 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 here for it. <laughs> I'm here mm-hmm. for it. That sounds like something I need to check out. I'm gonna have to let me take a note. <laughs> Definitely want to check that do, out. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> do yourself a favor. Okay, so next question. Picture it. Someone hands you the aux cord or they tell you to connect to the Bluetooth because it is 2019. What's the first song that you're playing? Today? It'll probably be... Like on weekends, I really do like to just immerse myself and like feel good music. So right now, it would probably be Ludacris Saturdays. Mm. That's like the quintessential weekend song for me. It, it feels good. It's it's nostalgic. It reminds me of you know my teen years, and um, I yeah, I have like these periods where I listen to like my alternative rock, but gotta rock with a classic. Yeah. Okay. What about you? That's a good question. Hmm. First song I'm playing is Formation. <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, but I'm gonna give an honorable mention to Bick and Head just because I heard it came on my shuffle earlier today just something as soon as you get in the car you just want to jam and then we can figure out what kind of vibe we want from there but i'm the opposite i like a mellow vibe in the car no i like because listen a mellow vibe i'll be asleep if i'm you not driving like you cut the music up real real loud in the car like listen, levels listen i see it listen you don't know my life okay am, am i lying did i lie what did oh, i just Lord. say <laughs> You don't know me. Don't do me like Did that. Did I lie? Maybe. I might be guilty of this. I appreciate the honesty. No, I definitely... Depending on the song. Some songs, you know, I do that. But songs that, like the ones I mentioned, definitely. I'm turning it up. I want to hear the bass. All of that good stuff. No, I'm not. Do you feel comfortable doing that in Seattle, considering how white <laughs> your area is? Well... It is pretty white. I don't live in Seattle proper, although I don't know if that really matters. But uh, I'm sure it's even whiter. Yeah, but the area where I live in, it, people do this already all the time, so it never even crossed my mind to worry about it. Because at any given moment, if I open my window, someone's gonna drive by with loud music, whether it's Tejano, whether it's some trap music, so. I never really thought about it. And I think just because when I get in the car, listen, I'm in my own world. And I'm not really too concerned with what other people are worried about. So my music is loud. It is what it is. I remember I rolled up on somebody's house once and he was like, um, it's like really early and that's like really loud. And I was like, I don't understand what the issue is. <laughs> we just told you what the issue was. <laughs> listen, it's really I was, early I, and I your music is asshole. really loud. <laughs> I was like I said I'm I'm so immersed when I get in the car like it didn't even usually I'm cognizant of that kind of stuff I'm hyper aware of that but I just was in the zone I guess I rolled up like okay you ready like what are we about to do and he was like turn that shit down I'm the same way I hate being in somebody's car and the music's too loud I'm the king of turning it down like I don't care about the whole don't touch my radio shit no I'm in I'm a guest and how are we supposed to talk and mingle if I can't even hear myself think? Well, no. So I don't do that. I think that's just plain rude. Like, if you're in the car with people, unless y'all are all jamming together, I I don't think you should have the music so loud that you can't talk. But when I'm by myself, Say it again for that's the bitches different. in the back. <laughs> 
they in the back touching the radio. No. <laughs> Backseat drop. No. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. I just think that that would be, that would be hella rude. Like, I would feel awkward if, especially if we're like good friends and if we haven't seen each other in a while and we get in the car and you blasting whatever new song you like. And I'm like, well, my day was fine. Thank you. Actually, I'd be like, well, my day was fine. Thank you. You know, that's weird to me, but I'm so glad you're saying all this stuff. I have a couple friends who need to hear this. Yeah, I mean, that's and, just me personally. Because if you do that, then I'm I'm pretty much gonna be checked out until we get to our destination. I think on. you probably side with the majority. Most people think that shit is hella rude yeah. and unnecessary. Like having had a, a vibe, we could actually discuss the song, the lyrics, my day. Yeah, at the very least, right? Be aware w- enough to say, okay, let me turn it down when they try to talk. And then when I feel like we're done, turn it back up. Or it's a good song and we both start bobbing our heads. Okay, because I'm, I'm aware of that too. Like if we're riding and the lowest, the music is kind of low, but then you turn it on something and we both start jamming, turn that shit up. Right. But if we you know, ride you know and trying too to loud. reconnect and you just have it blasting, busting my damn eardrums, listen, Uber, I, I, listen, I'm not above getting out the car and taking an Uber. <laughs> well, speak for yourself. I am. <laughs> just, just turn it down. Oh no, I'm, I'm just turn it down. <laughs> you ain't got to turn nothing. Down. I'll turn myself down. I'll see you there. That's too much. You got to get out the car. You got to no. tell me you got out the car. You I'm bullshitting. I'm, I'm bullshitting. Once I get in the car, I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Facts. Get me somewhere <laughs> safe. <laughs> now that's that sounds more like it. Yes. <laughs> you don't know. You don't want these problems. I wish I would get out the car. You know, my father would have a fucking fit. <laughs> You did what? Who did what now? But yeah, that's an interesting. Yeah, I've never been, never got out of somebody's car like that. No, I wouldn't do. It. Especially, I mean, if I was in Houston, maybe depending on what's going on. But here, I don't know these people. <laughs> it's way too many hills. It's way too many trees. I'm not trying to come up missing. Listen, I'm just trying to have my best life here yeah, in the Emerald speak, City. Don't even speak that into existence. That part. So, we jam into Formation, we jam into Bicken Head, and we jam into some vibey music from Hugh. We'll get some Kalani or something along those lines. The Ludacris yeah, song that you I brought can vibe up. with it. Alright, so that's going to wrap up the Queer Query. We are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into the main topic, which I am super excited about. Thank you for supporting the Flawless Noises Media Network. You can visit FlawlessNoises.com for more information on our other wonderful shows. You can also connect with us on social media. Search for at Flawless Noises on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Go to FlawlessNoises.com store if you're interested in purchasing some merchandise. And if you really love us and would like some bonus content, subscribe to our Patreon. With $5 and $10 subscription levels, you're bound to hear something you like. Go to Patreon.com slash FlawlessNoises for more details. We thank you for taking the time to listen to our shows and supporting your favorite hosts. Please feel free to share with your friends, family, co-workers, and more. Flawless Noises Media Network, get to know our sound. And now, back to your regularly scheduled programming. So the main topic is about love, because that is what Lamont is here for. I'm... Um, let me not lie. <laughs> love don't, is don't make me out to be the love guru because my love. Life <laughs> no, no, no. I wasn't gonna say you were the books. guru, but it's definitely more so your lane than mine. I'm Absolutely, no I always love. say I, I know some things because I've been through some things, but I'm by no means a relationship expert. 
fair. So we're going to actually talk about perfection when it comes to love. Why do we seek it and how it benefits, how it harms us? Basically, love isn't perfect. So why do we insist that it has to be? So on episode 87 featuring Frankie from the now defunct What About Your Friends, RIP to that podcast. Love you guys. But we talked about how people are almost conditioned to kind of see love with the fairy tale lens, almost from birth. With birth, right? Fairy tales with the Disney movies that we grew up that we love. But I want to dig a little deeper on why so many of us feel like love is supposed to be perfect. The <clears throat> lessons we learn along the way and how our views on love and dating look afterwards. So first off, what factors do you think lead to people approaching love with this idea that it's supposed to be perfect outside of what we just mentioned like let's get a little bit more specific this is a great question by the way thank you so much <laughs> i feel like a lot of times people just don't have a an accurate understanding of what love is right mm-hmm. especially a solid monogamous relationship or marriage yeah uh, i think most people especially in the queer community have not grown up being able to have transparent and honest conversations about what it looks like. I think for the most part, what we know is what we see. They're those great wedding photos, the amazingly edited wedding video, a uh, couple goals photos, and maybe like a couple captions. But that's, for the most part, all you get from a person's relationship. And it's easy to kind of like aspire to that and, and, and believe that it's this, you know, once you say I do, the rest is kind of history. And I think that the fairy tale idea, you hit it right on the head with that, because I don't think that anybody, again, I don't think anyone really has been able to under, get, get the firsthand knowledge of what the inner workings of a successful marriage or relationship looks like. So I think it's easy to, to walk around and date people and then assume it's going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh, so I definitely agree that whatever examples that we see or lack thereof because specifically for lgbt people we don't often get those examples to see what a healthy lgbt uh relationship looks like i don't have any examples there's no one i can call right now to ask like what do i do in this situation what do i do at the six month mark when this happens there's no one i can call personally specifically of the LGBT community. Yeah, because a lot of us grew up in either a heterosexual household or a single-parent household, so we don't get to see, as a gay man, two gay men loving each other. We don't right. get to see that two women. We don't get to see trans people being... We don't. We just... That's not our reality because that's not the household that we grew up in. Now, some pe- people do, but overall majority. A lot of us... I've never had a personal connection with a lgbt couple that i could look at and be like wow so that's what love looked like hmm. you know and i would even challenge a little bit because you mentioned monogamous personally i don't think that it needs to be monogamous to be a healthy love but i do think it's important to define what a healthy love looks like for you so if you know that when you are in love with someone that you want it to be monogamous, then you need to own it, stand up in it, embrace it and find someone who feels the same way. And on the flip side, if you know that love does not necessarily need to be monogamous, same thing. And absolutely. I think I was, 
I was absolutely projecting. <laughs> I was projecting. Yeah, Monogamy I is something that's important that, to me. But it's cool. Yeah. Monogamy is super important to me. And uh, to me, I don't think I could be in a sustainable... Well, that's not true. I'm, I'm, I'd be open to an open relationship. But I think that... <laughs> I think that in the parameters that I, I exist in now, uh, monogamy is ideal. And that's fair. For sure. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. And I appreciate that because you can say monogamy is for me, but I'm not knocking anybody that's like, eh, I might, I, let me, let me go on the other side of the buffet. No, absolutely not. I think it's okay. It's, it's ideal for me now because I haven't experienced anything else, you know? And you know what? That's a salient point as well. And it goes back to not being exposed to different things. We're not exposed to different types of relationships outside of alleged monogamy. Cause listen, none of us, we start shaking them family trees <laughs> get a little murky but <laughs> I think that again the examples are lack thereof I also think religion I think social pressures I think our own vanity there are so many factors that go into why we feel like this is supposed to be perfect religion tells us that love is kind love is this love is that mm-hmm. society we Everything we look at on TV, love songs, it's either heartbreak or it's love. And it's there's very few in between and there's not a lot of revealing the journey. Because a lot of times songs and things like that, it's very specific. Even if it's general, you know that whoever created it is usually pulling on a specific experience. So I think right. it's all of the above. I think that we are so enamored with love and it's mm-hmm. again forced on us on such a young age and a pretty bow or there's a perfect conflict with love conquering all mm-hmm. and a lot of people don't know how to take the lessons that they're supposed to learn from these stories and apply it to their life without trying to apply the entire scenario if that makes sense. Yes. Absolutely. I think on a deeper level, it's like this lack of understanding of what humanity is, right? Yes. If, if we're humans really living, <clears throat> if we're humans having a human experience, there's no way that the byproduct of our experience, love, would be perfect either. Absolutely. I think that, um, and I think that we also are just in this culture of perfectionist. Absolutely. Right? Which is so um, weird because imagine experience expecting perfection from imperfect people or imperfect beings i should say like none of us are perfect not one person on this planet is perfect so to think well if i'm in love then love's supposed to be well you're you're already with an imperfect person so right but it's also interesting because a lot of people don't even know what perfectionism is right right a lot of people feel like you know there's a difference between perfectionism and healthy striving and yes. I think that most people feel like their quest to be perfect is just healthy striving. There's a huge difference. Dr. Brene Brown talks about it in her book. It's kind of like my Bible, mm-hmm. the gifts of imperfection. And um, I talk about like the work I've been doing on myself. I think that it's going to make it easier for me to, to be in my ideal relationship. Your marriage. But to me, <laughs> my, my well, you know, listen, <laughs> I don't know if that's in the cards per se. Uh, a partner, a long-term partnership would probably. I'm open, right? I don't think that I, I used to have this very rigid idea of what I wanted uh, my love life and my 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 romantic endeavors to be. But I don't think that's that's what it is anymore. I think that yeah. I need to be one of the things that I've been working on is going to be a lot more fluid. 
kind of being like water. You know what? Kind of just filling the shape of whatever container I'm in. You're right. And I could say even like, obviously, we don't know each other personally, Mm -hmm. but just from consuming the media that you put out, like I even I can tell like there's been some growth even from the beginning of your show to now what you're saying there's been some growth because listen when you first started that show i was like oh jesus i was like this is very rigid it is a steel box and mm-hmm. this is what it is and i was right. like it was marriage monogamy yeah to yeah it was yeah it was very absolutely that steel box is that's funny that's funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think part of the process is like when you hear yourself back and hear some of your flawed logic and all these ideologies that you have and you're like i don't know if i really believe that but I've been saying it for so long, it feels like I believe it. Yeah. And you really like do like the self-work and like start to dissect the things that you believe. You're like, no, I actually don't believe that anymore. Absolutely. And I think having all these conversations with other people, like really is like the best mirror. The yeah. best mirror. Listen, there's nothing but more yeah, humbling that. than trying to explain something that you feel like you believe and then you hear it back and you're like, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. But the pro- that's the process, though, right? I would have Absolutely. exes on who I never thought that I would have another conversation with. And you kind of forced to be honest. Mm-hmm. And you're forced to be confronted. And you can't... It's, it's not one of those shows where like I could get away with murder. A lot of people... That was a criticism a lot of people said. They're like, you're very critical of the guys you used to date. I'm like, they have the opportunity to be just as critical. If I did some fuck shit, please call me out on it. Mm-hmm. If I did something that wasn't cool or disrespectful, call me out on it, and I'm going to do the same. I'm not upset with you, but you did this, which caused me to feel this way, which led to this happening. Fair enough. Yeah. So, this mindset of perfection when it comes to love, do you think that that might be part of the reason why people struggle with dating situations that are clearly bad for them because they have those what I like to call the rose tinted glasses. Like, do you think people settle on relationships that are bad because in their eyes, somehow it's still perfect, even though it's clearly a bad situation? In my time having conversations with people about love, very seldomly do they ever feel like they're settling, right? right. I think that people have one or one, two, or maybe even three things that they really require out of another person. These are like their non-negotiables. Mm-hmm. And I think that typically those non-negotiables are met, but then you realize there's like byproducts of those, right? Although he, he's all these things, he's also these other things. So they, they're they comfortable in this situation because the importance is covered, right? Um, and I think that you stay in it because your primary needs are met. And I think if you're honest with yourself, you there's no way this once you get to that point, there's no way you can really change a person. If you're recognizing these qualities in this guy and it's not working out, either you you make a decision to stay or leave. And I think that a lot of times it's more so rooted in the fact that you've invested time, energy, and opening up with up someone. And I, what I realize is that it's always. A lot of people are afraid to be single again. So they'd rather just kind of exist in a relationship and convince mm-hmm. themselves that, well, maybe that is, that is settling then. Okay, maybe, I don't think the most gays would use that word, but I think that, that settling is absolutely happening. You know, I think we are some of the best at trying to redefine something and call a spade an ace. 
<laughs> I'm just like, mm, I, the spade is I still like spade. I feel like you're talking specifically to me at this point. I'm not. <laughs> but, I feel I feel very personally attacked. Come on, hit dog. Come on and holler. <laughs> wolf, wolf. <laughs> God damn it. No, no, that's that's facts. But I, anyway, I don't. I definitely don't think I've ever had like the the settling gene when it came to love and relationships. I think I've always known exactly what I needed in the, out of out of a person, and that's not true. Episode one, one of my friends says that I settle for mediocre guys who feel good in the moment. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's true to it. I think that well, that's probably rooted in the fact that I never really had like a physical type, and so the guys that I would bring around would be like I like this guy truly based on the fact that we're compatible. The fact that I like who he is as a person, not rooted in how I feel like he looks and how we look together. And I think with my friends, that plays a huge role in whether or not they take a guy seriously. Mm. Well, you know what? That goes back to what I was saying about the social pressure. And it may not even be on a societal level. It can be in your own individual circle. And I think I've talked about that on this show before. That's trash, though. I think a lot of, not even just gays, I think a lot of people, but I'll, I'll I'll specify gays a lot of us don't date for ourselves we date for aesthetic we date mm, that's for why all of these other things for these outside influences and then when you get into the nitty gritty at least that's one of my theories whenever that question comes up why don't gay relationships last and I'm like well I mean a lot of people are not dating because they want to date the person they're dating because okay he fine and everybody gonna see me with a fine man he got money everybody gonna see me with a man with money he got this he got that he got this he got that and then when you start peeling back those layers of that relationship it's like it's not built on anything no I agree I've never felt victim in that I think uh, when the, in the first conversation, I'm asking you all the important questions. So I, so I, we get to the bottom of if we're truly compatible. There's been some times that I overlooked compatibility because of sexual attraction, but I knew it wasn't going to lead to no relationship. See, self awareness is a beautiful thing, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And tell me about it. Gender nonconforming. It's a beautiful thing. It's hard. It is a long, difficult road, but it is so worth it so worth it i definitely do agree with you on a lot of the points that you made and i would say that i've seen a lot of instances where people are in relationships and they are aware that the relationship is not what they want it to be let alone far from being perfect Mm -hmm. but it's just not what they want it to be but like you said, because people don't want to be alone, they don't want to be single, or whatever reason they have. It's not a good match, and you can't force it to be a good match. Right. But I think a lot of people will settle for, it's not a good match, it's not what I wanted, but I want to be in this relationship because I want to be in it, so I'm going to do everything in my power to make it perfect for the other person. Because mm-hmm. they can't deny me if I'm prov- if I'm satisfying all of their needs, which we know that that's not how any of this works most most often if you present in that way a person is going to be taken advantage of you but uh i hmm, i don't know if if the parameters of perfection are why people are like that or if it's just truly people don't like to be unless scared of lonely for lack of a better term this is such a nuanced concept man i think again going back to the idea of this perfectionism 
uh, like so perfectionism is so self-destructive. Absolutely, it's like it's addictive. It's it's rooted in this idea that if we look perfect, if we live perfect, and if we do everything perfectly, then we can minimize rejection or judgment. Yeah. Right. And and apply that to dating. You know how we are as a community, right? I think that everybody has these. Am I good enough? Is she gonna like me? Do I do I am I smart enough? Or do I have enough money? Everyone kind of deals with this this I this these feelings of inadequacy when it comes to dating, and I think that plays a huge role in how we approach it. Absolutely, I I just agree. <laughs> I just agree. So we talked a little bit about it, and you did mention that you not necessarily have approach dating situations looking for perfection but you've overlooked things because of stronger compatibility in one area or the other mm-hmm. uh have you learned anything else like that along those lines about when yourself it came to love? yeah yeah so many things i think that or if i'm honest that's how i would show up on like a first date you know feeling like i want the guy to like me am i good enough am i smart enough Feeling like uh, the other guy's person, feeling like the other person is doing me a favor, um, and that's how I would approach it. And I, and I got to a point where like, no, fuck what you think about me, uh, and your perception of me, right? That's what it really is about, like how we're being perceived. That's that's really all it's about. It's not about reality, because if we were consumed with reality, we just make it a point to kind of like convey the truth. But it's about perception. And um, one of the things that I learned. And, and my, my num- numerous dates and like the process of finding love for me um, is that this is unattainable. Like, there's no way you can ever control a person's perception of you. You cannot. Well, you can, right? You can you can attempt to, but there's no way. Uh, one of the stories that really was so life changing for me when it came to like how I show up when it comes to love or even like in regular life. Um was the story about this guy, right? And he went to this this event. Let's just say I'm I'm paraphrasing by the way. He went to this event and he just wasn't really feeling great. He felt like, uh, I should have did this, I should have did that. And he sees this couple. Beautiful, right? They're 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 well mannered, they're well dressed, they're kind, uh, they're engaging like that. He's like, Yeah, I I, I want that. The, they're perfect. And then at the end of the event, his best friend comes over and says, Did you see that couple over there? Like they 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 they're way too perfect. They, that something must be wrong with them. And that was just like, wow. Even at your best, people will always have something to say. You will be judged even if you did everything right. Mm-hmm. That's a part of life. That's a part of the human experience that you cannot avoid. And so many of us walk around trying to avoid it. Right? Again, if you show up perfect, if you look perfect, you behave perfectly. That you can minimize guilt. That's not one of guilt, shame, or embarrassment. But these are like integral parts of the human experience. And I think kind of overcoming that barrier just made me truly connect with guys more because I'm not pretending. I'm not. I'm showing up exactly who I am. Yeah, I and, can, and, and I I can think, definitely see that. Like I'm imagining, yeah. like, okay, what would it be like to go on a first date with Lamont? I feel like it would be intense. Because, you know, you you are very pointed in your desires and wishes that's funny as hell and first of all everybody says that and i I don't know whether to be offended or not well no i don't i don't think you you should be offended i think number one it's good that you are presenting in a way that people know what you're about up front 
intense just by like i wish i was a little bit more like cool and laid back about it but uh, well i, think I, I don't I, mean I pour it on a little thick i don't mean in intense like you are on some fatal attraction boiling rabbits in the in the stock pot where the green's supposed to go not intense like that but intense in that it would be a deeper conversation than i think most people are used to on the first date and I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I actually think it might actually be a good thing, to be honest, because it forces that. I, I just don't think we, especially as men, gay men, we don't converse enough. Just in general, but definitely when it comes to dating. So I'm, I'm definitely not saying that to detract. I'm just putting the pieces of Lamont together. And I can see that. But again, what we're a lot of us are not accustomed to having deep conversations early on. I can see where that would be a turnoff for a lot of people because that forces you to turn that lens on yourself way before you're ready because, you know, a lot of people showing up with their representative. Absolutely. And I and I get rid of them real, yes. real quick. And here you really go, quick. you know, deflating the representative and like, will the real such and such please step forward? <laughs> You know, so I can see people being like, um, so you just supposed to like ask me like what kind of music I like, you know, compliment me on my haircut. And you're like, so tell me, <laughs> what was your last relationship like? And why did you do this? What happened with this? What happened with this? You know what I mean? Like not intense in a bad way, but getting to the root, as we like to say on my other Absolutely. podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> I hate I hate it when guys are super ambiguous about situations. Like they give you information, like, yeah, my last relationship didn't end well. And I'm like, okay, so what happened with that? You know, it just you know, it just didn't end was somebody arrested? Did it get physical? Did was were your were your was your property damaged? Did he bleach your clothes? Did he burn you? like what what happened? Give me specifics. I think that because ending bad is subjective. Sometimes Absolutely. people say in their bad is like he broke up with you via text message. That's not bad. I've been there, done that. It's not that deep. It's not that deep. Mm, but well, I think a lot of times when people say ending bad, that's a way to cover up their poor behavior. But that's just my personal uh, thought on that. Um, so for myself, I feel like when I was younger, I definitely had the rose tinted glasses on. I was one of those like when I get to college and I'm free, you know, from my parents and everything, I am going to have a lot of fun. I'm going to meet a lot of guys. I'm going to have these experiences and then I'm going to have me a nice boyfriend. We're going to be in love. We're going to frolic, you know, whatever. And I would say almost as soon as I got to college, my scalp was rearranged. And I learned quickly that men aren't all that cracked up, aren't all what they're cracked up to be. Um, and it quickly turned to protection versus optimism, if that makes sense. And I didn't have though, I didn't have that that idea very long before I was like, you know what? This vulnerability without a sense of reference really is fucking with my self-esteem. It's not working for me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm I'm struggling with a lot of things at the time. I was, I was struggling with uh, depression. I'm diagnosed at that. And so having myself open did more harm than good. And I was not really able to learn a lot of lessons in love early on because it was like a prick 
for someone else was like a a slice for me at that Mm. point in my life um and i am naturally more of a hermit type so i'm real good for putting my shell around me and and going on about my business but i still learned a lot about myself like i said in that time and it was one of those things where you know how you learn stuff but you don't have any scenario to apply it for a long time and then when you do get in that situation you're like huh i didn't realize i know I what to that. do yeah so that's kind of where i've been you know like when i got older and i entertained trying to date or at least converse with guys the older that i got the more i was just like mm, i feel like i've already done this i'm good love enjoy I feel like I've I've hurt on this already, even if I didn't necessarily go all the way through it. And yeah. now I'm just like, mm, I'm going to exit stage left because I don't care how, quote unquote, perfect it looks. I'm always going to choose me first. And that's really where I've been with it. And I'm now at the point where I'm thinking I'm going to choose me and in order to entertain a relationship for real, for real, which I'm probably getting a little bit ahead of myself in the conversation, but in order to entertain it, like I have to, I don't want to say be convinced. Cause I feel like that puts too much onus on the other person, but I have to get to a point where I'm actively choosing you as well. If that makes mm. sense. That's fair. I think I'm at that point now. I think there's like a healthy amount of interest. Right. Right. Um, and for me not to feel like a complete asshole, like I never, like dismissing anyone, you know those people who like receive DMs and don't respond, or you know, or just do like the the like, the double tap, just all that they don't take knowledge that they've seen the message. Like I respond to everybody, because I feel like it would be my luck that the guy that I don't respond to and would be my husband, you know. <laughs> um, and most of the time, people reach out; they do have like super specific things they want to discuss when it comes to like love and relationships and stuff yeah um so i understand that i think that if i understand you correctly you're prioritizing like your sanity your peace your mental health over love and i think that's fair Um, i don't want to say over love but there i would argue that your mental health is more important than you know a romantic relationship more important yes but i'm i'm not i don't have a hierarchy where i'm like okay mental health here love here it's more so of a mental health is going to be on the top no matter what mm-hmm. and everything else has to fall in line accordingly and so it can be a little bit stringent because it's not just love it's friendships it's family like mm-hmm. i'm not trying to be a dictator but like this is my life i'm the only one that gets to live it and i've gotten to the point i probably have already been here for a while but i'm acknowledging it now openly that I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm not going to sacrifice, like you said, my peace and my mental health. Because I've been in those dark spaces. I still, str- hell, just this past week, I've struggled with it. You know what I mean? So I can't imagine sacrificing that at any point or any level, even a little bit, for a potential romantic situation that is not going to benefit me. So I'm already upfront analyzing like what are you about and what are you bringing to my life and what are you expecting me to bring to your life because i'm fair i believe in reciprocity in many aspects mm-hmm. so it's not just what are you gonna do for me what you gonna do for me because i think a lot of times we get stuck in that as well where it's like once we learn these lessons then it's it becomes this weird game of i am here and in order to 
do anything with me. You got to entertain me. You got to impress me. You got to do this. You got to do that. You have to have this. You have to have that. I'm not saying any of that. I'm not perfect. My damn self, not even striving to be perfect. It sounds exhausting. But what I am saying is we have to be upfront with these things with ourselves and with the people that we're with. And you can't be, you can't go into a situation expecting compatibility and love and be selfish it can't just be mm. what are you giving me? A what word. am I getting out of it? You have to be upfront saying, okay, well, this is what I'm bringing to the table. What are you bringing to the table? Now, it gets fuzzy depending on what each person is bringing to the table. Because listen, let me tell you something. If I have to bring the table, the tablecloth, the cutlery, <laughs> the food, the drink, if I have to bring the whole setup and you just bring in yourself, that's not going to work. All right. <clears throat> You know, I've never really been caught up on, like, who brings what to the table. I, I don't even think that a table is necessary these days. But I do think that one of the things that attracts me to a guy more than anything is, like, their, their level of intellect. And and I'm not saying that – because I do think a, a, to a certain extent – I do think that in terms of intellect, there's, like, a certain level of uh, performance associated with it, right? Um, you, you know what that looks like. Yeah. So I don't putting on. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think that that's still see. So I think that that's still something that you're expecting someone to bring to the proverbial table. I'm not saying it has to be all tangible things. When I say what you're bringing to the table, I mean things like that. If you value intellect, that's something you're expecting someone to bring to the table. If they value, I don't know, creativity. You know, if they feed off of creativity, they want someone that understands the creative mind. That's something that you're bringing to the table. Right. It's not necessarily when I, you know, I mean, like it's it's not necessarily tangible things, but we do have the table is the common space. And that's where we figure out our compatibility, because if you are bringing things that are not compatible with me or vice versa, then this is not going to work. And I think that's those type of conversations where we get to identify that early on. And I don't think a lot of us do that. I don't think we're equipped. I don't think we're taught. Because honestly, I, I keep going back to it, but I'm like, where do we learn about love? Mm, right. I think that, that what what works for me is kind of this approach that, like, your opinion of me cannot trump my opinion of myself, right? Fair. So you kind of approach situations with this level of honesty that's not, that's very atypical, right? I think that's the starting point to everything else. And I don't think that we've gotten to a point or let me not say we I haven't gotten to a point where I've encountered a lot of guys who well, that's the norm. You know what I mean? And I feel like that that's kind of been like my biggest dating hurdle, because I think that initially I think you start off with these this long set of things that you require out of a guy out of a relationship. Right. And then you get to the point once you evolve, you understand that that's all those things sound great. But those, none of those things are like my non-negotiables, the qualities that I wouldn't even consider being with the person long term if they didn't exhibit. So once you get to that point where you have fine-tuned your your long list, uh, cue the What Chili Wants theme song. <laughs> you know, she had she had that long list of things that she that means she can't he can't uh, eat pork, he can't drink, he has to have an amazing body, has to be well endowed, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that once you condense that list of the things that you absolutely require, it makes the it makes the search a little bit easier, right? Right. Because you're not looking for a person who has thirty 
quality. You know what I mean? That's like find, looking for a needle in a haystack, trying to find a person who truly exhibits everything that you desire, you think you desire out of a relationship. Does yeah. that make sense? It does. Honestly, it sounds exhausting trying to keep up with that many things per person, constantly going through a long... I mean, well, we saw the combination of that, so good luck, Chili. <laughs> Definitely an example of kind of maybe not this exact approach. Maybe tweak it a little bit. I'm not going to say she's wrong. Do what you think works best for you, but just be cognizant of the outcome. One of the biggest points that Chili made was that she's dated guys who didn't have those qualities that she th- thinks that she desperately needs, right? Yep. Um, and she said it didn't work. She felt she settled. And she never was fulfilled in a relationship. So kudos to her for standing by what she wants. But I don't know if the fact that the guy you didn't eats pork would play a tremendous role in your compatibility or the success of the relationship. Uh, I mean, unless that sounds like a preference. Yeah. Unless it's something that is religious outside of that. I, I don't know. But I definitely do think that it's a. To me, it's, it seems like I, she don't eat pork, and she don't want the guy to eat pork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, if it's just the well, I don't eat pork, so I don't want pork in the house. Okay, that mm, you you may struggle with that a little bit. But if it's a okay, well, my religion is this, so I don't eat pork for this reason. It goes a little bit deeper, and I think that is more tied to your compatibility versus well, I just don't eat it, and I don't want you to eat it. I don't want you to have swine on the breath. You know what I'm saying? I don't want you to have swine on the tongue. It's different from my religion is X, Y, Z. And that's why I'm saying that. And I don't know a a lot about what was going on with that because she was doing a lot. But I never got the impression that she had a solid reason outside of just personal preference, which is fair. But again, look at the outcome. You still ended up dating guys that did not exhibit all 157 points that they needed to. And I wasn't going to be shady, but since you said it, I'll repeat it. You still ended up single. So it's just like, uh, you know, but it's those type of things that where we learn how to tweak what it is that we're looking for. Because I think I'm glad that you brought this up because I think she's a perfect example of actually and factually searching for perfection mm. and being disappointed at every turn. And having to learn the extremely hard way, because I feel like we all learn the hard way, especially men, because we're not conditioned to lead life with our hearts open so that we can learn those romantic lessons. But she's definitely a good example of this ain't it, beloved. And you need to dig a little deeper and work on yourself a little bit and figure out what it is that you actually need. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with having a list of wants. But that should not be what you're operating on if you don't. Let me rephrase. I'm not going to tell you what to do. All I'm saying is, in my opinion, when you operate on your list of wants versus your list of needs, you are met with a lot more challenges. Absolutely. I think Chili probably, this is the last thing I'm going to say about Chili because I love Chili and I don't want, I would never speak ill on that lady. Uh, I think that when you have this certain level of agency that she's had over the years, you know, being a part of one of the biggest selling girl groups of all time, being an icon, she feels like she has her pick of the litter, you know, and she's not selling. She thinks she can get any nigga she wants. And I'm pretty sure she could. Who would turn Chili down? I wouldn't. <laughs> Gay or not. K or not. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's probably rooted 
one of the major roots in how she approaches love. But I've I've certainly been there though. I've certainly been there. I remember I I play this game. It's not a game. It's just a way to save time. Uh, and I'm gonna give y'all this gem. So when I meet a guy, let's say we met on Tinder, we met on you know Instagram via the DMs, right? So I'm like, let's just save each other 45 minutes and ask me your deal breaker questions. We all have them. Those questions that you ask, and if the answer is yes or no, depending on the question, you know damn well he has no chance. And the likelihood of friendship is very, very low. So I'm like, you ask me those four questions, and let's get to the bottom of this ASAP. So now, and that's usually effective. And there's usually no hard feelings at the end. Happened to me a couple of days ago, though. I felt so bad. Because the guy was super cool, but he, I was like, so what's like your five-year plan? Like, what are you doing? Like, what, are, what, what's, you know, what are your career goals? And he couldn't really answer. He was like, you know, um, I really want to work with kids, and he's in like late twenties. And I'm like, you want to? Like, why haven't you been putting energy in that? Yeah. And there were other questions. And I was like, okay, you don't really know what you're doing. You haven't really figured this thing out. You're kind of just winging it, which is cool. I think that most, and I was very upfront when I was like, yo, that's nothing wrong with that. But where I am right now, I, that's, I can't do that. Like, I can't be with someone who kind of just, who's winging it. Mm-hmm. I believe in strategy. And, you know, homie, don't, these plans and, you know, this life that you're building doesn't seem strategic. Yeah. And, I mean, it's one of those things where it's different strokes for different folks. Like you said, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that is a pretty fundamental strike i guess as far as what your compatibility with this person would be if i wouldn't go into business with you i wouldn't date you oh okay (laughs) that's an interesting stance that's a that's a different level of trust right that's not the first time with your livelihood Mm -hmm. it's like nah i I don't mm, i don't don't respect you as a business person We'd, we'd be bankrupt in two years ouch (laughs) Okay, so since we're already here, let's wrap it up with a pretty bow. Theoretically speaking, and piggybacking on some of the things that you've already said throughout the conversation, what does your imperfectly perfect love story look like? On a basic level, just two people who understand that we're all flawed, we're all imperfect, but we're still striving to be the best versions of ourselves. Um two people who never forget that the true commitment in life is to enjoy it and that everything comes and goes, right? Everything constantly changes and I, and just getting to this place that like love kind of trumps all. I know that sounds cliche and corny, but what I mean by that is there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. There's going to be days your career is up. There's going to be great days that your career is down. There's going to be times that you're, you're not the best version of yourself. You're just kind of like phoning it in and, and phoning it in, meaning like you're just going through the motions. Um, but but the love, the unconditional love that I want with my ideal imperfect partner would, would, would trump that. You know, like yeah. when, when does that make sense? Like I, I'm trying to explain like the love where like the old school love where you know you you may be broke this month you know it may not be it may not be the best of times financially but if we have each other and, and we know what our love is and we know our like our, our our goals together then love is all you need that's i think 
I think you said the the term that people can digest the best is that you're looking for unconditional love or I guess as close to it as you can get because I don't know if adults are capable of unconditional love or maybe the majority I, I, I won't say I won't speak in absolutes but I think a lot of us are not capable of truly unconditionally loving someone else because I think about the way children do like they just are unabashed about it you know but I think that finding someone that gets you as close as possible to what and and makes you have that feeling is important so I definitely can see that for you for myself um, I don't really have a vision of love no Mariah Carey Um, but that doesn't mean because I know some of my friends are going to hear that like here he go again bashing love I'm not bashing love what I'm saying is I don't have anything mapped out as much of a planner as I am I don't feel like that is something that I can plan and so I don't have a vision but that's not to say that I don't think I'll ever find love or whatever I just don't have that idea I've never really sat down and said what is it that would how would that look if that makes sense at the end of the day, if we go on that route, I just want a nice guy that is decent and is going to talk to me nice. Like, you know, obviously it goes deeper than that, but I don't have that vision. You know what I mean? I'm curious though now. So my friends that are hearing this, I'm curious if y'all have a vision, what that looks like for me. Cause y'all I think mine is based name. on. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can only imagine. <laughs> I, I, just to uh, to your point, like my, my my vision is based on like a love that I already had. Um, I think this is like the the evolution of that. I think that once you once you've experienced something, it's easy for you to desire it because you realize it's attainable. Absolutely, and that's fair. And I think that's just you know what that is though. That's just you learning a lesson in love that I would venture to say probably a lot of heterosexual people are able to learn early because they have the things that we don't and so a lot of us are learning a whole lot more by trial and error versus seeing some things and being like yeah you know what this feels like something i've saw my mom go through i'm good love enjoy you know we're like oh we gotta we gotta crash through and burn and 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 be reborn from the ashes like a phoenix to learn these lessons and even then some of us still don't learn because we are hard-headed some of us get hurt one time and we close up because we're not taught to deal with rejection there's so many different ways that this conversation can go but i'm happy with where we did go and i'm extremely happy that you approached me about this came on the show i love like we said earlier collaborating with other podcasters so i want to thank you again for coming through lending your voice no i appreciate you having me man this is this has been fun i think that this is an important conversation i agree we all go through the same things when it comes to like feelings of inadequacy and not being good enough especially when it comes to dating and once you truly understand that none of us are perfect none of us are expected to be perfect and if you just try your best to show up i think you'll be good yep the, uh, the alternative is having expectations not meeting those expectations and then subsequently like feeling the wrath of not meeting that you know what i mean yep i agree um and i do agree like i said this was a very important conversation it was a good conversation we got in we did what we needed to do 
Um, so let's end this thing letting people know where they can find you. I am very active on Instagram. Uh, yes, I'm he is. It. I try to be at least. I'm at Lamont Baldwin, and you guys can follow Hella Single at Hella Single on Instagram and Hella Single Pod on Twitter. The show comes out every Wednesday. You guys can download on Apple Podcasts, and I'll be around. I'm also, yeah, hmm. I'm also here in New York for all the listeners in New York. Come on, New York. <laughs> I am not in New York. One day, though. <laughs> one day maybe not to live but i'll go and visit again so yeah i think that wraps things up you guys please go check out hella single we got to support each other in the community outside of the community we got to prop each other up so support that thank you for supporting this show and i will see you guys next week so that's that on that another show in the books real quick before we get out of here chime in if you have thoughts on what you've heard, sound off. Use the hashtag GaySidePod when you're live tweeting or posting about the show. As a brief reminder, you can listen to this show on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, countless others, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. Send in any gay side mail to gaysidestories at gmail.com. And that can be letters, compliments, show topic ideas, stories, pitches for being on the show. If you want me to be on your show, send all of that stuff to gaysidestories at gmail.com. Take a moment to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five star rating. And if you really love what I'm doing here, write a review. That's how people find us. And despite how Apple treats that podcast app, it is still the biggest hub for podcasts. And we want to be seen with all that being said. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, make sure you're sharing this podcast with others. I appreciate the likes, but reposting and resharing could potentially turn into a new listener. Remember, you can also find me on Ratchet Ramblings with Jeremy and Candace discussing black reality TV shows and being probably offensive, but it's all in good fun. Lastly, I say this all the time and I mean it. Love yourself and whether you're top, bottom, verse, however you identify, protect your walls or they will crumble. You do not want to be out here with walls like ancient ruins. And I'm out. See you guys when I see you.